speak to us as we as we uh, hear from your word and even though there may be stories in this passage of scripture that we uh, that we know uh, that we may even take for granted father we just ask for your blessing that you might awaken our hearts and minds so that we might hear and so that we might do your word and we do pray these things for jesus christ's sake amen don't you hate it when people say yes but mean no They'll say, yeah, Tony, I'll, you know, I'll ring you tomorrow night now. And they don't do it. They'll, they'll promise they're going to text you or they, you're going to meet them for a coffee and they don't show. They promise they're going to help you, but they don't do it. There are some people, and it does your head in, doesn't it? Some people who say, yes, but me, no. Folks, our actions are more important than our intentions and uh, even our words. When we say yes and mean no, folks, I want to say there's an integrity problem. And often people pleasers are like that. They will say one thing to your face but mean another thing. They don't back up their actions. And in the end, they never please anyone. We have several stories there here in Matthew 21 concerning people's response to King Jesus. And some people, some people say yes, but mean no. They seem to have good intentions, but their actions let them down. So folks, let's have a look at these uh, stories. Firstly, the triumphal entry. Um, We know that uh, Jesus is fulfilling prophecy from Zechariah chapter 9. He rides on a humble donkey, not a white stallion, nothing like that that shows power and might. No, a lowly donkey. And uh, it's straight away you know that Jesus' kingdom is very different from the kingdoms of the world. And the people are so excited. They are so excited. And many had heard about Jesus' miracles and his profound teaching. And they laid these palms and even some of their cloaks fit for royalty. And they claim and they cry out to the king, King Jesus. And they cry out, Hosanna! Hosanna in the highest. And it's, uh, those words mean, Saviour, save us now. But I think what some of the people were thinking, they were probably thinking, save us from the Romans now. People were expecting a political saviour and Jesus came to deal with our greatest enemy, sin and death. It's interesting when, we, uh, when you read Luke's Gospel, of, uh, of uh, this Palm Sunday, the first Palm Sunday, we read that he wept before he went to Jerusalem and he was weeping for the people. He wept because despite the hysteria and despite people's positiveness, they would change their tune from Hosanna to one week later, crucify him. Not everyone. It were mainly the Jews that were rejecting him. And many people were caught in this euphoria. But once the excitement waned, their yes became no. Friends, don't you love the fact that we are forgiven people? Yeah? By the blood of Jesus we are forgiven people. By the blood of Jesus we have the Holy Spirit the very presence of God. By the blood of Jesus, we have that hope, that assurance that we will be in heaven for all eternity. 
And you know what? I reckon everybody can say yes to those blessings. But how are we when the call to follow him? Sometimes we might say no. We may not say it in those words. But our actions may be showing that really we mean no. Jesus' entry into your life, folks, is it a triumphant one? Is it a triumphant one? Have you accepted King Jesus over your life? Or are you rejecting some commands from the scriptures that you think, ah, it's a bit difficult? Or you just have a blind eye to some of the word of God? You know, just like Jesus was sad and he wept for Jerusalem, folks, People can, Jesus can be sad and, and, and weep for us. You know, we can often pray and we say these incredible prayers. Lord, I offer up myself as a living sacrifice. Great prayers. And in some ways we're praying, Lord, I'm going to serve you no matter what. Lord, I'm going to be generous. I'm going to be, give my time. I'm going, to, you know, I'm going to be committed to the family of God. But sometimes our actions mean no. Then we come to the story of the temple and the fig tree. And after uh, Jesus comes into Jerusalem, he goes straight to the temple. And it should have been the most holy of places. Uh, It was a place of quietness, a place of prayer. And what does Jesus find? He finds Paddy's markets, doesn't he? There's wheeling and there's dealing and Jesus is angry. He is angry. And he overturns uh, the money changes and there's coins uh, uh, rolling across the floor. You might be thinking, well, why is Jesus angry? I mean, is, it, is he having a bad day or what? Surely churches have an opportunity to find extra cash. But what was happening? The Jews were using these markets where the Gentiles would normally come in to pray. Non-Jews, that means, who would come to pray. Uh, this Jewish markets were stopping seekers, were stopping even unbelievers to come into the temple to pray. And despite it being a building, folks, Jesus still calls it a God's house of prayer. And folks, can I say, I think we need to be careful as a body of believers that we are not doing things that causes to be a stumbling block, that excludes unbelievers to our church. You know, one of the sad things uh, we've, had, we've tried over the years to open the church as much as possible during the week Because you know what? They are the times the non-believer comes to the church. They are the times that incredibly some of the pastoral team and myself do ministry to people. They're going through some sort of crisis in their life. And that doesn't happen every week. But it's so good when the church is open and people see the doors open. They come in if they're struggling. Folks, Like we see Jesus' anger to the Jews, Jesus can be angry with us too if we're unwelcoming, if we're unwelcoming to the newcomers. When we just think church is for believers, boy, we've got a lot of things to learn, if that's what we think. We need to be careful in saying we we want people to get converted, but do nothing about it. Folks, don't say yes. But we mean no. 
you know, within the story of the temple, there's also the cursing of the fig tree. And again, you might be thinking, well, you know, is Jesus having a real bad air day or what? And it's not his only destructive miracle. To understand this, we need to understand a little bit of history. Because in the Old Testament, the fig tree symbolised the nation of Israel. You know, in uh, Jeremiah chapter 8, Hosea chapter 9, even in Luke 13. And, and as the fig tree, Israel were to be producing fruit. The fruit of faith. The fruit of worship. Faith that produced a fruitful prayer life. But what was happening? Israel were green and full of religious leaf, but no fruit of godly living. Israel were full of their religious tradition, but they weren't sincere in their prayer. They weren't sincere in their service. In Luke's uh, parable uh, of the fig tree, uh, he, he tells of a parable and of the gardener who is God. And uh, lovingly, he wants the fig tree, his people, to produce fruit. And he's so patient with them. But because Israel remains stagnant, because Israel produces no fruit, we read he will eventually uproot the fig tree altogether. Folks, when Jesus curses the fig tree, he's actually cursing the sincerity of Israel's worship, of Israel's service to him. Folks, can I say, God never wants to curse his children. He never wants to curse you and me. What father would want to curse their child? But even though this is an acted out parable and it's for the Jews, there is still application for us. Because God wants us to produce fruit. And in Galatians chapter 5, we know that fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, goodness and self-control and so on. It's interesting, we were doing uh, Galatians chapter 5 with the uh, men's breakfast and uh, the, the fruit comes out when we are walking in step with the Spirit. Keeping in step with it, when we are living in the Spirit. And we live in step, in step with the Spirit when we are allowing the Word of God to just overflow us. And when we allow it to take control of our lives. Folks, don't say yes when our lives are really one of no. And then we have the prideful, what I call the prideful educator. And uh, here are these educated religious people and they don't really want to learn from Jesus. They don't want to really come under his authority, but out of pride, they actually want to trick Jesus. They, they, they want to just win the argument. And we've seen that already with the Sabbath. Uh, we see that with uh, him... Uh, performing miracles, and even last week about divorce. But Jesus trips them up with this another parable, he says. A man had two sons. And the father asked his son to work to the vineyard. And the first son said, no, I'm not coming, Dad. But he changed his mind and he came, he fronted up to work. And the second son, yes, Dad, I'll be there. <laughs> But he really meant no, he didn't show up for work. And then Jesus asked these religious dudes, he says, who was the obedient son? And they rightly answered the first son. Yes, they were correct. The one that said no in the beginning, he had a change of heart. He repented. He believed in the goodness of his father. And after consideration, 
he came and returned to serve his father. The one who said yes and didn't show up, well, he is like the prideful educator. The very ones that Jesus is speaking to, they know the truth. They've got it all up here. They can tell the chapter and verse, but because of hardness of heart, they will not serve faithfully. Folks, I take it God never really wants prideful children. He wants us to be humble. And it's easy for us to say, I know the gospel. I've even had one particular person say, you know, we've heard the gospel. Tell us something new. Folks, you never graduate over the gospel. But we hear the gospel and it ought to convict us. It ought to bring us to tears sometimes. But the fruit of that will be serving our Lord Jesus with all our heart and mind and soul. It's dangerous to have the intentions to serve but not to. It's easy to think we are beyond repentance. Folks, it's easy to believe in our heads and not make effect in our lives. Humility always needs to be present if we are to live lives of repentance and faith. Don't be like the second son who say, yes, 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 Jesus but don't follow it through. And then we have this last parable, and I just love this parable because really it's the history of Israel. It's uh, the Bible in one little parable and it's the history of rejection. Uh, and Jesus, in the, uh, we see that this history of Israel, God is the landowner and he plants a vineyard and he chooses Israel, that one nation, to be the farmers. And all the farmers had to do was to produce fruit and give it to the landowner, God. And so God sends his servants, which were like the prophets, when they weren't giving back the fruit to God. And uh, the prophet's message was always the same. Folks, uh, all those guys you see, you know, your Jeremiah's, Ezekiel's, and uh, your Isaiah's, and even the little guys, you know, Amos, and all those guys, they've all got one message. Half the Bible is just one message, one word, repent. Israel, change your ways. You're doing it wrong, guys. You need to have a change of heart towards God. But they don't. And God sends them another servant, and he sends them another servant, which are the prophets. And then finally, the owner, God says, surely, (laughs) surely they will respect my son. And as last resort, well, we see that they reject him and they kill Jesus too. These farmers are now in danger of losing the privilege because they haven't been responsible to the landowner, responsible to God. Folks, this is prophetic. (laughs) Jesus is saying this and it's prophecy. He's prophesying his own death. And he's showing that despite Israel being the chosen people of God, they've been unfaithful. And so God will use, what is the result? God will use other farmers, the Gentiles. And who are the Gentiles? You. You and me. Friends, we are the new people of God. Paul talks about we are the new Israel. The gospel hasn't changed from the Old Testament. It's still the same. He has chosen us to do his work. Israel loved the privilege of being the people of God. They would scott about it. Ah, we have the blessings of God. 
but they didn't want the responsibility to do his work. Israel rejected the Son of God and so negated their privilege. Israel didn't want to be different from the world. That's why Jesus says we need to be the salt and the light. Folks, let us never, ever repeat Israel's history. We are in the business of seeing people come to Christ. We are in the business of being medicine to a sick world. And we have a sick world, don't we not? We certainly do. Folks, never be too comfortable at the expense of not being obedient to Jesus. It's easy to take the grace of God for granted. Oh yeah, Jesus died on the cross for my sins. Folks, it's easy, I know that. We need to remember that we are different. God has chosen you and me. He has anointed you and me for, for a special job. God will never tolerate people who say yes, but by the actions we know. Friends, this whole chapter, I think, is about integrity. Well, that's one of the underlying things. It's about integrity. How are you responding to King Jesus? Are we a people who say yes but mean no? Are our actions the same as our intentions or our words? Just quickly, folks, four things we can put into practice. Be thankful that Jesus has triumphed and entered your life. Hosanna in the highest. Folks, if you are a Christian today, be thankful. Rejoice. Just like those people in the beginning, they rejoice that their king was coming into Jerusalem. But don't let your words and prayers be the opposite to, be, to your behaviour. Don't say yes, but mean no. Secondly, do your best to be welcoming and prayerful for the unbeliever, even at church. Don't be a stumbling block. And I think we can all be a stumbling block for our own behaviour. We lose favour with the unbeliever, but we can lose favour with God. Thirdly, remember, as important as it is in being educated from the Word of God, it, it, it's, it's not about being educated, folks. It's about putting that education into practice. It's about producing fruit which reflects God's character, which reflects lives of prayer. And we need to fight against a prideful, a hardened heart. And finally, don't let Israel's history repeat itself. Don't harden your hearts. You hear that in the Psalms, don't you? You hear that in the Hebrews. Don't be like those guys in the past. He knew the truth. But they just harden their hearts. Familiarity can sometimes breed contempt. We continue in the way we started. I love that little bit in Colossians where uh, uh, Paul says, Just as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, continue to live, live in him. And then he talks about trees and buildings and so on. Just as Christians we are able to be. Can you remember when you first became a Christian? Can you? Three of us can. Do you remember the joy you had in your hearts? Do you remember the passion you had? Do you remember you wanted to tell people about Jesus? Folks, that's where we need to come back to. We have a great privilege being the people of God. Let's be responsible to share it and live it. Nelson Mandela said, you can never have an impact on society if you, do, if you have not changed yourself.
I think so too, isn't it? Uh, people with integrity do what they say they are doing. Others just have excuses. Don't say yes when you mean no. Jesus says, let your yes be yes. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we do want to thank you for your grace. And Lord, we recognise that sometimes uh, we are hypocritical. Sometimes we say yes to prayers and to challenges and we actually mean no. Please, Jesus, forgive us. Please, Jesus, help us to have repentant hearts. Help us to live lives of repentance so that when we do fail you, we know that we can come in all integrity to you you and, and, and be forgiven. Lord, help us not to lose our first love. Help us to have a passion, a love for other people as we seek to want to serve and honour you. And we do pray all these things for Jesus Christ's sake. Amen.